Hello, neighbor. You are listening to the New Garden Church podcast, and we are so glad you're here. Our church meets at 10 a.m. at DuPont Tyler Middle School in Hermitage, Tennessee. You can join us in person, or you can catch our gatherings after the fact on our YouTube channel. We would love to hear from you. We hope that you enjoy what you hear today and check back in with us again soon. These two texts, two teachings from the Gospel of Luke, are counted among the more familiar. But it hardly gets any more iconic than the Good Samaritan. Even our friends in secular culture have likely encountered the story of the Good Samaritan, and many Maybe even most of us have wrestled with this story of the two sisters, Mary and Martha. These two texts, two teachings, are counted among the more familiar. But I pray today that their familiarity will not mask their beauty, importance, dare we even say urgent importance for us in the life of this church. They're familiar, these two teachings, the Good Samaritan and Mary and Martha, and yet most of the time we encounter these stories as if they grew up on separate islands with completely separate addresses, maybe not even sharing the same zip code. But Luke has these two stories standing shoulder to shoulder. One on the heels of the other. And in this series, we've been paying attention to the way Luke pairs stories and people. And when we hold both stories at the same time, I see things that I missed before. Like, have you ever noticed how the punchlines of these two stories run in opposite directions? The first the Good Samaritan. The very last words of the Good Samaritan, the marching orders of this story are, go and do. Go and do likewise. As disciples, we must be about going and doing. If you want to be a neighbor, if you want to know what it is to love a neighbor the same way you love yourself, then go and do what the Samaritan did. Cross the road. Look pain and a person in the eyes and remember our story as the church. We must be about going and doing. But lest we get all of our momentum rolling downhill in that direction, the charge and the call of the very next story is not to go and do, but to sit and listen. In fact, if anybody in this next encounter is going and doing, it's Martha. Martha welcomed Jesus. Martha is serving Jesus. Martha appears to be about a hundred different things. And she says to Jesus, tell my sister to get in here. And Jesus tells Martha, 
Mary has chosen what is better. Mary sat and listened. Go and do. Sit and listen. And we say, what are we to do? Do we go and do? Or do we sit and listen? We say, yes. As disciples of Jesus Christ, certainly he did both, didn't he? With Jesus as our model, how many times do we discover Jesus alone with the Lord, sitting and listening? And which one of us are going to raise our hand to accuse Jesus of not going and doing? And with Jesus as our model, perhaps we discover that these two actually aren't pitted against each other. But the more we sit and listen to Jesus, the more we will be inclined to go and do. When we hold these two stories together at the same time, we see all kinds of different things that perhaps we may have missed before. Like the surprising, shocking, maybe even subversive placement of characters. In the first, for Jesus to tell a story that elevates the ordinary Jew would have raised an eyebrow. If the story went something like a priest, a Levite, and an ordinary Jew, it may have raised an eyebrow. But for Jesus to tell a story that it's not a priest, a Levite, and an ordinary Jew, a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan? And let us remember the Samaritan is not the one who helped, but the one who helps us. See what it is to be a neighbor. To credential a Samaritan as a teacher. Well, that's more than surprising. And then the next. Well, Martha, Martha has reason. She is not without cause in being concerned about her sister and her place. No, she's, she's going about and she's doing all kinds of things. But, but Luke tells us that Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. And you say, what's the big deal? She sat at the feet of Jesus. But that's the very same language that Paul used to describe himself, his training. And we know when Paul sat at the feet of rabbi, it was to be trained. It's a disciple in training. Martha's not without cause. When, when Paul sat at the feet of the rabbi, it meant something. And to have women, to have a Samaritan credentialed as our teacher, to have women sitting at the feet of Jesus, well, it surprises even her sister. When we hold both stories, we begin to see different things, don't we? In fact, I am confident that many of you will see things that I've missed up until this point this morning as you hold both stories at the same time. But the thing that I found most compelling this week for us in the life of this church is a theme that, that started working on me, I hope started working on us last week. Uh, you remember the two stories from Luke 8. Uh, perhaps you remember the tiny door that we talked about. The posture of the two people. One, a religious leader. The other, a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. But both assumed the same posture as they fell out before Jesus. They were desperate before Jesus. We said, if we're going to play the part of these two characters, we must assume the posture of these two characters. 
We said there are places in the kingdom of God that we cannot go. Proudly, proudly, parading upright. Oh, we may have to stoop to see. In today's story, I believe we get a glimpse of that. Oh, the posture of the two people from Luke 8. We see the inverse of it here in Luke 10. One man, one woman. Two people who were, at least at first, too certain to see. Did you pay attention to their posture? In Luke 8, they fell before Jesus. The religious leader and this woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. But here in Luke 10, the expert. We have an expert in the law. And notice he is not fallen before Jesus, but he stands. He's not stooping, but he is standing tall with one of those questions. It's not really a question at all. You know the kind. Perhaps you've deployed a few. You ask a question, but you're not really asking a question at all. It's a test of sorts. Because he wants to justify himself, he keeps talking. Who is my neighbor? Oh, it's a different posture, isn't it? And in the second story, Luke tells us that Martha came at Jesus. She came at him and said, Lord, Lord, don't you care? that my sister has left me. Tell her to help me. Martha is certain. Certain enough to come at Jesus. Certain that she knows not only her place, but also that of her sisters. Jesus, tell her to come in. Jesus, tell her that she's left all the work for me. Jesus, tell her to step back into place. She's out of line, Jesus. And Jesus tells Martha, no. No, I won't. No, it won't be taken from her. I wonder if Martha did anything wrong before she assumed that she knew not only her place, but that of her sister's. I mean, Martha had done seemingly everything right. She welcomed Jesus, nothing wrong with that. She served Jesus, there's certainly nothing wrong with that. But somewhere along the way, she assumed, and it is so easy for us to do, to assume that people should serve the same way I do. That they should see things the same way I do. To assume that certainly Jesus sees it the same way I do. And then we remember the rubric of our rabbi. That those who exalt themselves will be humbled. But all who humble themselves will be exalted. We were halfway through the week and I was with a, a group of people that I love. We read texts together once a month, talk about what's coming up in the preaching schedule. And, and I saw for the first time, as one of my sisters pointed out, didn't Jesus say, 
and Luke 10. The things will be hidden from the wise, but revealed to the little ones. Isn't that this same chapter, she said. And here's the thing about pride and humility. It is so much easier to identify the deficiency in others, isn't it? So much easier. How many of you know someone else who is too certain to be taught? How many of you know someone else who is too proud to listen? How many of us know someone else who could use a little less certainty and a whole lot more humility? We all know those people, don't we? And it's like we have 2010 vision when it comes to seeing the pride that goes before the fall of others and these bottle glass bifocals when it comes to our own. And yet, as I hold both these stories, I am reminded that there is good news for even Martha. There is a compelling invitation to even the expert in the law. Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. Woodmont, Woodmont, New Garden, New Garden, you are worried and distracted by many things. Jeff, Jeff, doesn't the Lord know that I have an act of being worried and distracted by many things? One thing is necessary. And perhaps today I am not alone. And my need to renew the invitation to sit and listen. To sit and listen at the feet of Jesus. To surrender some of my certainty and most of my assumptions. To sit and listen. To bow and worship in the presence of the one who humbled himself. So my prayer today is this, that God would give us the grace to be honest about our posture before him. And that God would also give us the humility to assume the same stance that Jesus himself takes. Uh, Lord, would you help us? Help us see you. Help it, us as we seek to know you, to know who you are. Would you allow it to sink into the innermost parts of who we are that you, the one who created us, humbled yourself. Teach us to trust you to exalt us. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. That's it for this time. Thank you for checking in with us 
and we'll be back with another episode next week. 